We're going to start our session with a conversation with Karthi Madhasamy, founder and managing partner of Mobile Foundation Ventures. Karthi, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sramana. How are you? Uh, glad to be here. Great. Well, let's get you introduced to our audience. Tell us a bit about your background, a bit about Mobile Foundation Ventures, and let's uh, situate um, the context of this call, of this conversation. Sure, sure thing. Um, so we are a $75 million early stage venture fund. Um, series A focus, a post-seed Series A focus, and we invest in uh, deep tech. The, the, the phrase is a little bit odd, but uh, what we look at is we look at tech differentiated companies, companies that have tech as a primary differentiation factor. Uh, so we yeah. look at CSA companies that are trying to disrupt traditional industries like uh, automotive, manufacturing, agriculture, some of these services as well, using tech as a primary way to, uh, to enable the disruption. And um, so we started last year, we've done about seven investments, we've given, uh, done about seven investments so far. As background, before this, I spent 11 plus years at Qualcomm Ventures. I was a managing director there. Uh, in addition to investing in the U.S., I started the office for Qualcomm Ventures in Israel, India, and we started exploring Southeast Asia as well at the time. Uh, before that, I spent uh, uh, 10 plus years doing startups in Silicon Valley in the mid-90s. Um, I come from a technology background, uh, electrical engineering. The funny thing was 24 years ago, uh, the, the master's thesis that we were doing was in AI, but uh, it was just uh, not a proven tech at the time. It's just funny how things come back in a circle with the good computing power now, and then a few, few more breakthroughs. Now AI is just applied everywhere, but at that time it was still underperforming. But, uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, I completely resonate with you in the, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. I was doing AI companies. It was too early. And uh, I remember uh, this journalist, O Malik, who was a friend of mine, he was making fun of me because I was doing AI. <laughs> now AI is all the rage. Exactly. Okay. okay. The technology has come out as well, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, timing is everything. So let's talk a bit about um, the kinds of companies you are investing in and the stage at which you like to come in. So you've talked about deep tech. Is it all B2B, deep tech, in the context of B2B, or do you also do B2C? I think it's primarily B2B. I, I think uh, it's not, uh, uh, it's not, doesn't have to be necessarily B2B, but it's, it's largely B2B. I mean, the example that I would give is that uh, at Qualcomm Ventures, uh, I invested in Waze, even though it is a B2C application, if you will, but there's fundamental technology behind it to create maps on the fly and, uh, and, and create traffic patterns and things like that. So we would look at, in our current fund, some B2C companies that have a significant technology element as a differentiator, uh, but yeah. largely, I think I would say 90% plus would be probably B2B tech. B2B, yeah. And stage, what, uh, what do you like sure. to uh, see in companies before you're willing to write a check? Yeah, so we look at post C to Series A is where we look at, and uh, uh, I think there is a gap in Series A, I would say. Um, we're definitely seeing that there is enough, uh, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, seed stage funds who are writing smaller checks, so the first two to three million dollars can get filled by enough uh, venture funds out here. 
at the same time, there are enough bigger funds uh, writing larger checks in later rounds and whatnot. I think the way we see the gap, especially for deep tech or tech differentiated businesses, Series A, because these are companies that need larger amount of capital. They are at a stage where they need larger amount of capital, whether it's five to fifteen million dollars. Uh, they have some early uh, product market fit, but they still have ways to go. That's where our focus is. We, are, we don't invest in more concepts or PowerPoint slides and things like that, but we look at companies that have at least got into a product, got into the early customer discussions, early product market, which is what we're looking for. Sometimes uh, they have revenues. So if it's largely software, IP related companies, even at a series A stage, they have some revenues. Uh, sometimes in full stack, which is hardware for the software, they have <clears throat> more NRE revenues or early customer traction pilots, but not necessarily you know, repetitive revenues yet. And then there are some really, very uh, you know, hard tech, like uh, some semiconductor modules and things like that, where they may be pretty revenues. So we don't look at revenues and indicators, but what we look for is companies that have taken few steps to the product, and then there's some early product market fit, and we're looking to raise between five and fifteen or so, which basically means they've crossed the the, the seed stage, if you will, uh, and that's where we look at, it. and that's where we also see the gap today in the market. Uh, globally, but I think we, are, we focus largely in the United States, so uh, North America, and we definitely see that as a gap, especially for deep tech companies. And what size checks do you write? So right now we write between one and three million, where we may go up to maybe four million check uh, when we go in, and then we keep about one to one reserve for follow one round. So ideally between Five and six, seven million dollars we keep for a for a company. Uh, for so company. again depends on the company, uh, and then we can lead around. For example, a small Series A, seven, eight million dollar Series A, we can actually lead around. Some larger Series A, we'll actually follow the other lead uh, syndicate type of things. We can do either. But if it's a one million check, you can do that yourself. Right. Yeah. Great. We will have uh, probably stuff to talk about soon. Sure, yeah. um, so let's, uh, as, as the next uh, segment of the conversation, let's kind of double click down on your portfolio and talk about some companies that you've invested in that you feel good about and help us think through or help us understand what drew you to those companies. How did they find you or how did you find them? And what did you see in them when they came to you? What did you see in them? That you that made you want to invest in them. Sure. So sure. a couple so of. Things. Yeah, sure thing. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so we've done about uh, uh, six investments, uh, closing on our seventh investment as well. So I'll I'll, I'll talk about maybe a couple of uh, companies so that uh, it gives a flavor of the type of things that we invest in. Uh, so the one company that we'll talk about is 20 billion neurons, which is a, a Toronto and Berlin-based company. Uh, what they do is they do this computer vision uh, for action recognition on uh, real time at the edge. Um, mm -hmm. I think image recognition has become almost like a stable stake today. But when we were looking at it, we, yeah. we thought that uh, doing something on the video is like much more complex than doing anything on the image. And uh, going beyond just the object recognition. Uh, is an important factor we felt in terms of understanding common sense, understanding high-level context, which is where we are going towards more and more towards. It's not just recognizing some patterns, but it's also recognizing high-level context. Uh, so mm -hmm. it was the high-level thesis that we had, 
because we have done image recognition companies in the past and how you know things have moved to the point where that is now table stake. But I think still complex stuff is not being recognized easily by an automated machine. Uh, so we are looking for that type of uh, uh, companies. Um, mm -hmm. The 20 billion is, uh, is is actually founded by students of Jeff Hinton, who is a Turing Award winner, the father of modern AI. Uh, and um, so these guys have built a, a, a technology which can actually recognize very complex actions at real time uh, at the edge itself. So that was when you first uh, got introduced through another investor or through another uh, partner. Uh, we, we were looking at the space and we hadn't seen actually too many companies in the space. It was a much complex problem. We actually very quickly grown attached to that. Okay, let's try to understand this more. Uh, and in terms of finding companies, I think a lot of it is comes through our network. Uh, yeah, which yeah. Uh, for an entrepreneur, that's one of the things that will push as well is that, you know, uh, use your network and, uh, um, uh, but anyway, this got introduced through a partner and uh, uh, as we started evaluating them. The thing that we liked was uh, uh, the, the, the key way they are differentiating in terms of technology to get this thing done, uh, that we mm -hmm. are not seeing before. And then second, the technology was very robust in terms of how well they performed. Um, so we, we, we compared that to other, other companies that we had seen or other technologies that we had seen before we really liked the technology. And um, I, the third thing is, is the entrepreneur itself, entrepreneurs themselves, you know, so there was a, there was definitely a willingness to understand how to take this technology and then go after market. There's, there's definitely the willingness to engage in a discussion, engage in a conversation to figure out, push and pull. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's one of the important things at the earlier stage. Uh, uh, what, um, yeah. what application did they tell you they were going to go after as they started approaching you and you were evaluating them for investments? It's kind of horizontal technology, but you, I imagine you looked for an application to zero in on, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So, um, so there were there were there were a few few areas that this could apply. There was obviously anything that has a complex process that needs to be recognized. Uh, this technology could be applied. So there, they had applications around uh, anything with action, so it could be around uh, uh, any human machine interaction in automotive, uh, anything on retail, anything around uh, health, uh, anything around the process in manufacturing. So there's a bunch of different applications. So the two applications that they went after were one is around uh, uh, retail, where there's human machine interaction, and the second was around uh, health and fitness, where how do you understand a complex uh, uh, you know, exercise routine that you are doing type of a thing? So those are the two applications that they went after. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think you, in some other cases where you're looking at technology companies, that's the that's the key thing to bridge, like where can this be applied? Um, and we had a few vertical focus where we could validate some of these uh, uh, applications as well. Uh, I think we kind of focused around retail and manufacturing and health as some of the verticals that this could be applied, and uh, we've been progressing on that ever since. And how big was the investment? So this was a $10 million round that uh, M2L, Microsoft's venture fund, us and Coparian, which is a German fund, all three of us invested. So it's a $10 million Series A. Um, mm -hmm. It is a prototypical round that we do. This is a company that already had like 15 people uh, and they had um, uh, early customer success in terms of uh, uh, deployment. Uh, 
but not necessarily like uh, recording revenues type of thing, but at least early early customer uh, yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, a, a sizable round where the company needs this capital to actually grow and grow. Karthi, um, one question that arises from this discussion that I would like to explore for the uh, benefit of our audience is um, how do you view large sales cycle, long sales cycle enterprise deals? Because it sounds like the kinds of technologies that you like the most are these deep technologies catering to large enterprise customers where there is typically a long sales cycle. So, um, you know, if you're doing little deals, you can get into some amount of recurring revenue quickly. You can start showing some MRR statistics, et cetera, quickly. But if you're really talking about very large enterprise deals, often that is not the case. The product takes some time to build and you can get validation through, you know, pain points endorsement from enterprises, but not yet quite, um, you know, uh, checked. Well, how do you how do you uh, deal with these situations? Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's a very good question. It's a very interesting point as well in terms of, uh, especially as an early stage investor, uh, how are you looking at this? Uh, we actually look for technologies that are that are solving significant problems. I think that's the first place we start with. So we're trying to solve, we look for companies that are trying to solve big problems. So when that happens, first of all, what we have seen is that there is a natural pulling from the enterprise themselves because they are also trying to solve this. So they're looking actively for uh, for, for companies like that. It, it, it interests them quite a bit. It doesn't go into the uh, you know, traditional arguments around, okay, how much does this incrementally help us type of a thing. It goes into this fundamentally changes our, our business. So we look for those things that helps a little bit into the early conversation. But we also look for entrepreneurs. We also look for teams that understand this thing and then have the ability to maneuver this a little bit more. So, um, so we kind of balance those two. Uh, so in most of the most of the uh, investments that we have done or evaluate, there's already a pull from some of the enterprises because they're trying to solve this as well. So they're trying to understand it. They're looking for partners. They're looking for solutions as well. So that reduces the cycle a little bit. Uh, but it is a it is a it is a uh, active discussion that we have in terms of how do we look at these companies. Because um, mm -hmm. some of the, many of them have three to nine months of sales cycle. Uh, and uh, the good thing about some of these things is also the early reference account helps quite a bit. So it doesn't have to be a three to nine months like every time. Uh, so we look right. for things like how are we, reference account build up. Yeah, yeah. So we look for those things, and then in some cases there are uh, uh, customers who actually want to move really fast, where the sales cycle is much faster as well. So if they will get the team to figure out some of these things, like go up to some of these things to get a quick uh, a quick adoption and use that as a reference. But I think the larger point about large large uh, enterprises taking longer sales cycles is definitely there. I think you try to solve this in several smaller ways. Uh, and I think the point of the main one would be solving a very huge problem for an enterprise where the value proposition itself doesn't need to be sold very, very aggressively. It's understood. It's just the, it's just the point of how you integrate them. Yeah. Okay. So I think the bottom line, what I'm hearing is that you're quite open to these kinds of situations and you understand the complexity of the selling and so forth and you're willing to work with the entrepreneurs, which is good. Because there is a, the set, there is a set of investors who are using these 
MRR, ARR benchmarks, and they want to see a million dollars annual revenue run rate before they want to put, write the checks. And that's for, for certain companies that, especially since, you, since you're doing deep tech, deep tech takes investment to build a product and, and to get to any MRR whatsoever. So it's, uh, you know, it's not yeah. so easy to, to show those numbers. That's right, yeah. It is, a, it is a process, it is a cycle. The one thing about some of the products in deep tech would be that uh, you've seen this as well. There's quite a bit of investment up front, but then when there's, there's really is an adoption, you see like yeah. much faster uh, upside as well. We have seen companies that go from a million dollar uh, annual revenue to $30 million, which is not yeah. like uncommon once the, once the product market fit is there because it's a product. That's right. And, and some of these deep tech problems, if they're solving a big problem that has lots of ROI, they're big deals. You could have a million dollar deal, and as you say, with 30 customers, you're at $30 million, and, and, and then you don't need much financing. These kinds of deals, once you hit, this, hit your stride, these types of businesses don't need much money to build. Right, I think there's an upfront investment, and then but once the fit is there, a lot of these things actually don't require as much investment. And, uh, uh, it, it is, as we looked in the last 10 years, uh, software companies are actually raising more money than some of the deep tech companies because the, the cost of sales is still higher. So there is some of the software as a service startups still keep raising money, large amounts of money, which uh, uh, because they need to continue to acquire customers and they need to deploy capital to acquire them. So this is a good segue into my uh, um, last set of questions that I want to explore with you, which is, uh, the tension that we face in the industry between this hyper um, funding, you know, too much funding, you know, flushing companies with capital, blitzscaling, blah, 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 versus building more fundamentals oriented, capital efficient companies. Where do you sit in this debate? So there is never a one-size-fits-all. That is one of the learnings being in the being in the in the, in the early stage ecosystem for uh, you know 25 plus years is that there is never a rule. There is never a rule of thumb. So for certain uh, companies or certain uh, areas, maybe the the high capital to garner the uh, uh, market makes sense. But I think it's also a learning, and I, I think it's true as well as that uh, you know. It's, Innovation cannot be driven primarily through capital, I, because if that has been the case, this will have been taken. Silicon Valley would have been taken over by capital providers long, long, long time ago. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't believe that fundamentally. Obviously, there are there are there are sectors and there are segments where capital can provide you know good acceleration and then uh, get that market going, but. In a lot, lot of other areas, capital doesn't provide that because market uh, innovation can only take in so much capital. So I actually uh, don't want to call it as a generalization, but outside of a very few areas, this concept of throwing capital to get that uh, hyper growth does not work, and uh, which is probably what we're learning in the last five years as well, because probably outside of certain areas, this, this did not actually work. And uh, we actually fundamentally believe in like uh, you know fundamental breakthroughs which require capital but cannot be it's not in lieu of innovation you can just use capital to go there right so i think there's a little bit of the correction happening uh, actively at this point there are still certain areas where this could still apply uh, where there's a lot largely it's like um, 
operations driven, uh, enabled by technology where maybe capital can help. But many of these other areas, we do not, do not think that that is the way uh, this will work. Uh, and some of, the, some of the things that we're seeing that as well, very, very quickly, actually, this, this whole capital driven thing started out like maybe five, six years ago. Already people are seeing that that doesn't work in all the cases, or most of the cases it does not work. So we actually uh, believe that uh, uh, innovation needs to be driven. Uh, capital is a, plays an important part, but it cannot be in lieu of just pumping capital. Yeah, good. So we are definitely on sync on that. Okay. So um, that, that gives us a good uh, understanding of Mobile Foundation Ventures. And um, folks, Karthi will be staying on uh, for the entrepreneur pitches, so you can ask questions later on in the program. Um, that was very helpful to discuss the, you know, the large enterprise-facing businesses that are working on deep technology, which is an area where we do quite a bit of work. We have a lot of companies that are working in this mode and they all have the kinds of issues that we discussed. So this will be a valuable insight for them.